What up, blood? What up, cuz? What up, blood? What up, gangsta? I've been gone for a minute now. I'm back with the jump off. Welcome to another episode of the House of Music podcast. I am the hip hop homegirl, Tatiana Janine, and I am so happy to be back. Some of y'all know I've been a little, um, we'll say, under the weather. And I've been having like some bereavement and just really taking the last couple of months to take care of myself both physically and mentally because, ooh, shit got rough for your girl for a good little minute. But I'm happy to be on the other side. It's super dope just to say that I'm... I made it, you know what I mean? You know, a lot of gospel, lots, a lot of old John P. Key, hours and upon hours of Clark sister songs. I tried them and I know them. <laughs> and I just want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. You know, I've reactivated almost all of my social media. At this point, I think I will reactivate my Instagram when this episode drops and my Facebook when this Instagram and my Facebook when this um, episode drops. I just have a few things that I want to say. One, we will be back to weekly episodes. And two, next week's episode is a very special episode because it will be the pilot for my new podcast called I Watch TV So You Don't Have To. I Watch TV So You Don't Have To, for those of you guys who have been following me for, I would say, three years or less, I Watch TV So You Don't Have To is a blog that I ran, um, I want to say from 2014 to, to around the time I moved to New York, so 2015. It was basically a recap blog about reality TV shows and drama TV shows, and I'm switching formats because I just don't have the time to write, um, so I'm switching it into a podcast form. Next week will be the pilot, and then there's a catch to this podcast. This podcast will be 100% on Patreon. I know, you're like, oh, Tatiana Janine, you raggedy bitch, you're really going to ask me for money, and you're not even consistent at House of Music? Yes, yes I am. Listen, y'all have no idea what it costs me in time and production value to like really put together these podcasts. On top of that, you guys know that I write for Revolt on the weekends and I'm doing a lot of ghostwriting and other things to keep my head above water and to make a way that I can. Basically, if you go to the link in the bio, it's to the Patreon page, you will see that for the price of a McChicken, you can listen to me talk about television from everything from Good Girls to, of course, my favorite, Real Housewives of Potomac. But it's going to be a super dope podcast. There's a lot of um, incentives for those of you who sign up on the Patreon page. And we're going to have a really good time. So yeah, all of the information for that is in the bio. The first episode will be out next week. So there's 
technically not a new episode of House of Music, but it is because the pilot episode of I Watch TV, so you don't have to, will be on the House of Music account so you guys can get a feel of how we're going to do things over there. Uh, what else? When House of Music comes back in two weeks, we're going to talk about Britney Spears, this conservatorship, and what the fuck is going on. In the meantime, we're talking with um, Yadia of the Long Live Go-Go movement, and it was a really dope conversation. If it sounds a little rushed, that's because while we were talking... He was on his way to WPGC. He's doing a lot of great activism in D.C. And I hope you guys really enjoy the interview as much as we enjoy talking. Yeah, so, yeah. Hey, y'all. I'm so happy to be back and so bubbly and happy. Like, legit. I, I don't think you guys understand how happy... I was that this episode came together the way that it did. Shout out to Kristen. She has been great with getting me and Yadia together all week for us to knock this interview out. And I wanted to come back to this podcast on my terms and my way. And as much as everybody... Hmm. What is the best way to put this? I appreciate everyone's advice as far as my other um, creative friends are concerned. I appreciate everyone's advice about what they believe I should do for House of Music. But at the end of the day, me as an Aquarius, as a bullheaded Aquarius, as a daughter of a Scorpio... I'm going to do what I want, how I want. I'm very Frank Sinatra. I'll do it my way or no way, especially because the most consistent thing about the House of Music podcast has been Tatiana Janine hosting it. You know, we've been through some hosts, two and a half to be exact. And this is for the last four years, three years, something like that. House of Music has been my baby. I carried House of Music on my back when nobody else did. Um, I created the initiatives when everybody was getting iTunes gift cards. That money was coming out of my pocket. The endorsements that we had, the promotions that we had on this podcast, everything came off of the blood, sweat, and tears of me. There have been many times many times where I have wanted to quit but at the end of the day nobody is going to love honor and respect this podcast and the podcast supporters like me so with that being said this most recent break is my last break and we just gonna bust it out from here forward I don't care if I'm sick fat dead well I'm fat now so that really doesn't it doesn't matter what happens as long as my voice is intact and my laptop is working there will be a house of music episode I don't care if I get up on here and talk about the best dance songs from the 90s there will always forever be a house of music episode because you guys have supported and invested in me over the years and i want to make sure that i am creating the best content that is entertaining to you and fulfilling for me
Yes. So enjoy the interview. Shout out to Yadia. Again, thank y'all so much. I know a lot of you guys have been emailing, tweeting, DMing, and texting me that I've been in your thoughts and prayers. I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, I feel it. Even the negative ones some of y'all have been putting out. And, you know, fuck you and your mama. Um, I feel, <laughs> all jokes aside, I felt your prayers. Trust me, um, I could not have made it without all of the positive energy you all have been sending to me. I appreciate it. I really love y'all. And I appreciate y'all's support. My neighbor is currently blasting Ariana Grande's No More Tears Left to Cry. So I figure, you know, that'd be a perfect way to wrap up this intro. Again, enjoy the interview. I'll see y'all next week for the pilot episode of I Watch TV so you don't have to. And I'll talk to y'all in two weeks about hashtag Free Britney. Yeah. Blah, blah. We have a special guest in the House of Music today. As you guys have noticed on social media, there's been a lot of things happening in the Shaw neighborhood in D.C. Specifically, a couple weeks ago, there was a big protest in regards to the Metro PCS store on Florida Avenue 7th and the music that they were playing outside. Um, Historically, that store has been playing music since 1995. A new gentrified condo building basically complained to T-Mobile and it turned into the Don't Mute DC movement, which resulted into the Mochella movement. On the line, I have Yadia, who is one of the activists who helped put together all of the movements that you see around DC, surrounding around Don't Mute DC. So welcome to the House of Music. Well, thank you. Hello, how are you? Very nice to I'm to doing see well. Company. So I know your time is super limited, so I just want to jump right into it. I know that you have a really deep background in activism, but I want to know exactly how did you get involved into the Long Live Go-Go movement and the Don't Mute DC movement? All right, so I am the founder of Long Live Go-Go, and that's been around Mm -hmm. for maybe a year or two now, and we were like behind other projects to amplify go-go music and of course like change the stigma behind the the culture and the music so basically Lone of go-go was you know founded by myself because i have a strong tie into the go-go community i've been throwing uh go-go shows and managing bands all type of things since 2005 so Lone of go-go was founded by me as far as these rallies in mochella that was just basically a spinoff of the rallies that I've already been doing, you know, out there on U Street. And the one, the last one you saw that was deemed Motella by the people, I like to say that the people deemed it Motella, that was actually the fourth one that I had done. So basically, mm-hmm. me, my thing is to, to look to bring the culture back to the forefront because I think Gogo is synonymous with DC culture. And then also, like I say, to change the image behind the music but also to open the doors and have certain conversations for people to be able to start to create the change and pass certain legislation that will, you know, positively affect the community. So I'm using GoGo as a tool to basically unite, create a united front, because before we can do anything, like, we have to be on one accord. And for those who aren't familiar with, like, D.C. or with the area, can you 
expound a little bit about the history of black culture in U Street and how like pivotal that Metro PCS store is to the neighborhood? All right, so like Florida Avenue, the store's on 7th in Florida, and Florida Avenue turns into U Street, so essentially it's the same thing. So basically, right. uh, that store that's on the corner is a staple to the city. You know, anyone that has been to Howard, anyone that has been to Northwest, you know, anywhere in that vicinity, they are they can get themselves familiar with Gogo and they hear that music. So, like I said, it's almost like a permanent fixture in that intersection. So without it, it will almost feel like it doesn't have its heartbeat anymore. So that you know that store is very significant to the culture in terms of symbolism, and it's been there for like you say like over. 20 years you know it's been happening for over Mm -hmm. 20 years there so it's like anyone that is from this area or comes to this area can identify with that you know so that's why that store is so so important and such a staple you know for that store to be able to play the music it's been there for such so long that it's become such a staple that like like i say without it it will seem almost like the energy is gone you know right 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 Um, as far as the u street area Historically, U Street was a very um, affluent um, area for, you know, African-Americans, for black people, basically. U Street was a very affluent area. You know, we owned uh, tons of businesses there. You know, Howard University was an institution a lot of, you know, people were getting their schooling from, you know. So that area traditionally is like black Broadway. Mm-hmm. So to have the, the protest, and like I like to call it a rally, I call them rallies. To have the mm-hmm. rally there was was very significant as well. Saying that that area is almost there's almost no black families living in that area like that. Like the, they have you know certain developments there, and there's certain people that still are amongst the neighborhood. But that area has been heavily gentrified. Basically, is what I'm saying. Right. So I know that last year um, you were involved with the Kremlin and Nick's protests. And you, I saw some of the video clips, and you essentially brought Gogo to the White House. You had the drums out there. You were doing the call and response that's very popular within Gogo. How powerful was that moment to you, and what was the message you wanted to get across? Um, man, to be able to one lead that effort was amazing and a huge you know blessing and opportunity a great experience though also to be able to you know being kind of the lead on the programming and have local musicians it meant a lot to me just because you know I, I grew up with these guys and i know that i know how significant this music is to the area so to be in washington dc in front of one of the most you know popular landmarks in in the world you know it's like it was very uh it was very special to me and i think a lot of people i was able to introduce the go-go aesthetic and sound to a lot of people who normally would never know you know what go-go music was so it's like people were starting to find out like man this is go-go oh this is cool you know like so it's like almost like i'm raising awareness at the same time i'm i'm using the music as a form of communication you know so that's where right. I kind of got the whole vision of doing these rallies, you know, basically based by, you know, based by music. So it's like, you know, that White House protest meant a lot. So that was kind of like the start of, of this vision that's like unfolding right now. Mm-hmm. 
I also know that last year you organized a rally against the Amplified Noise Amendment Act that was eventually pulled by the city council. What did you learn in planning and executing that rally that you were able to bring with you in planning and executing these last series of rallies you've been doing this year? Uh, well, well, like I say, there's no experience like hands-on experience, right? So, you know, that rally really broke the ice for me, not only because that was my first time demonstrating in that form, it was also my, my first time demonstrating in that in that area, in that space. So I learned a lot about what to expect in terms of, you know, the aesthetic of pulling it off, what it would take to make it a huge event because I had done it once before. So that kind of broke the ice for me. You know, I was very, that was very a very helpful time for me just because, like I said, it's my first time ever doing it. Right. So like you previously mentioned, you organized a couple other rallies before this big one that basically went nationwide. You worked with TCB and New Impressions and Anybody who I feel like is around my age, like I'm 30-something, anybody who is an enthusiast of go-go and around my age, like those are two groups who are staples. So how important was it to you to make sure that you had these acts who are known for being a part of the culture and sound of go-go? Well, you know, like I say, it's always, it's, you know, personnel is very, very important and and, and having the knowledge of the area and what the people really can identify with is very important when you are organizing, you know, community events and events that speak to the culture. So, mm-hmm. like I said, those bands, I knew that those bands were like, you know, the it thing for my generation. And, you know, a little, some people a little older, you know, I'm 32, some people a little younger. So it's like, it's very important for me to speak true to the area. And I think that that's has been like one of my, my gifts and like my strong suits to be really identified with what people like and, and and the the bands and the components are all a part of the recipe to making it successful. So like I say, all every aspect of organizing this is important because it will determine how authentic it feels, you know? And I think right. the fact that this feels so authentic is why it's touching so many people. It's just like music, like just like a lyric in a song, you know? Mm-hmm. So for the, for the big one for Mochella, you teamed up with Big G, who people from home and go-go enthusiasts know for know him for being the front man of Backyard Band. Nationwide, he's probably best known for his role as Slim Charles on The Wire. And you also teamed up with Backyard Band's manager, Rashad Fuller. How did you get in touch with them? And as a collective, how did all three of you guys organize? All right, so the the last rally, like I said, was the third one I had done in the last, like, month and a half. So pretty much, you know, everything had already kind of had its structure and already had its place. So to get backyard, I had to go through, you know, the, the proper channels to be able to approach them and have them really consider this. They had heard about it, though. Backyard is a very busy band, and they're right. not very easy to book. So... Though I had done shows with Backyard ten and twelve, like almost ten and twelve years ago, because I used to take mm-hmm. a lot of bands to you know uh, HBCUs and do their homecomings like A and T and 
Morehouse, you know, uh, Virginia State. So I already kind of had a rapport with with Big G in the backyard. So, you know, it took some lobbying to get their involvement. And once I did, um, they were very uh, instrumental, I would say, the last day, the last day or two of planning, you know, because, you know, Rasar had talked to some of law enforcement, some of the law enforcement, things like that. Just the small details that he needed cover for his band to be able to be be a part of it and also be safe and mm-hmm. for everything around. He made sure that the band was there, made sure that everyone was punctual and that everything was 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 safe. Though I was still the organizer of of Mochella. you know, I just pretty much booked backyard to play. They didn't really right. organize it with. Yeah, they weren't okay. organizers. They just they were playing, and without their involvement, I feel like that last one wouldn't have been as iconic. I like I like to say that last one was iconic just because, like I say, man, backyard is go go. They don't even have to organize it. You know, just their involvement is is huge to me. So I really appreciated that. So how did you feel when you saw the nationwide coverage? You were on every blog from Boss Up to the Shade Room, plus the national news coverage in the Washington Post and things like that. How did you feel when you woke up and you saw all of these headlines about something that you organized? Man, honestly, it's like it doesn't even settle in at first. I feel like it still hasn't really settled in like how much reach this actually had because I'm actually in the midst of the moment. You know, it's like I'm actually in the motions of like doing this. So I'm always like thinking like, what's next? How do I do this? How do I pull that off? You know, I'm always thinking like the next thing will be the most impactful, will be the best for us. Because like I say, this is a community thing. It's for all of us. So I haven't really had a chance to really be like, wow, like I really did that. I think like, more down the line, I could reflect reflect on it and have those emotions, though I haven't really had that moment yet to even let it even right. settle in. <laughs> but the moment, the, the <laughs> feeling of being at the rallies, though, is something that I, mean, I can't even express you for. It's a euphoric feeling. Did you come to the last one? I didn't. My best friend was actually in the process of moving back home. She um stays in Clinton. She was in the process of moving back home around that time. So like she missed it. I was in New York, so I missed it. And she was so mad. Like when she saw the videos and stuff, especially of everybody singing Pretty Girl, she was like, man, all everything. If they have another one, I'm in there. Like, I can't believe I missed that. And just watching it. And like you said, that feeling is just something you can't really put into words because when you with your homegirls or you with your homeboys and you singing your favorite joint like I felt the energy through the video so I can't even imagine how it felt to be there you know what I mean right I mean like I said I I feel bad for people that didn't actually get to experience it and I'm glad that there will be more for you to experience though I Mm -hmm. feel like each moment is unique like you can never like replicate it you know Right. You just can't replicate it, and it's just, like, something that you have to, like, experience. You will not really fully get it until you're there, I feel like. And then when you right. get it, and then once you experience it, I feel like it's, like, something that you cannot stop talking about. Like, come on, this happened, like, two weeks ago. Like, you know what I mean? It's, like, still, like, the talk. People all across the city, I can't go anywhere without someone mentioning it to me, you know? 
<laughs> That's super dope. So you said there's more to come. What exactly is next for the movement? All right, so basically, you know, we're forming, we're, we're forming a, you know, uh, a collective of people to be able to actually start getting some actually actual legislation, like, pushed and creating relationships so that we actually can have something on paper to create the change and not just create a spectacle. Um, I have programs that I'm working with the schools, you know, working with schools in order to bring, you know, more music, you know, demonstrating into the school so that we can hopefully get more youth to start being interested in starting bands again. We also have more mm-hmm. rallies in the works. We're going to do something in, in different, you know, neighborhoods across the city in the summertime. So there's a lot of different initiatives we have in the works that will be very impactful. So in August, we're going to have the Mochella Mega Fest, and I think that that's going to be like, like man, I can't even, that's going to be humongous for the city. You know what I mean? Right. We also have a lobby day tomorrow, Thursday. We have a D.C. lobby day. We have uh, basically, you know, citizens and people coming down to support us in lobby day to go ahead and advocate for, you know, their issues. There's a big there's a big budget. They're making a big decision on the budget on Tuesday. So, you know, we're going to do some advocating for that. And then Monday we're going to have another rally on Freedom Plaza. Um, okay. From noon to 7 oh, this Monday on Freedom noon Plaza. Noon to 7. All right. Well, I was going to ask you to expound some more on DC Lobby Day, but you just explained it. And what time and where is, um, well, this episode will come out, it'll be tomorrow. So what time are the rallies, to um, the Lobby Day, what time and where today? The Lobby Day is today from 1 to 4. 1 to 4. And, and Monday will be another Long Live Go-Go peaceful rally on Freedom Plaza from 12 to 7 on Memorial Day. Oh, that's dope. What do you think is making these rallies successful? You you spoke about it being authentic to the culture of D.C. and go-go music, but do you think it's one particular thing that's making these rallies a success? Is it the pushback against gentrification because it is coming into the city as such a quick speed or because of people's involvement what do you think measures success for this movement what measures success for the movement well what has made it successful and and how do you measure success for the movement i I would say what has made it successful thus far is definitely definitely the timing definitely the personnel and Mm -hmm. And um and and definitely the programming, it's all those things in one. I I just I just can't say which one for sure. Okay. Well, this is the last question because I know you super busy and you riff running everywhere and you gotta go. In this moment, I honestly just want to give you the floor as far as if you could say anything to the people who live at the building that complained about the music or as far as people who are moving into the city because this hasn't been the only incident in Shaw. We saw the incident with people walking their dogs and letting their dogs go to the bathroom on the campus of Howard. What would would you say to those people who are moving into the area and those gentrifiers that are trying to change the culture 
Well, what I was, what I say to that is, people always look to change what they don't know or understand, and I can't even say that they're looking to change the culture. I just think that a lot of people that are coming into the city don't, they're just oblivious to it. They don't understand what the culture of the city is. At the same time, I think that it's our job to also be displaying the culture, and I want to see some things put in place to actually commemorate commemorate the culture, like, uh, you know, a go-go day or, go, you know, some type of, you know what I mean? It's all different ways to commemorate and dress it up to where it's palatable for everyone, and I think that that's what needs to happen for go-go, and go-go needs to be the name that's basically exp- the word that is used to explain D.C. culture. Go-go is synonymous with D.C. culture. So first and foremost, that needs to be the term used when we express the, when we explain the culture, and then two, the culture needs to be commemorated and put on that platform for it to be palatable for everyone, meaning some type of festivity, commemoration, something that is observed, you know, in the city so that people can understand that this is a part and a piece of the city. All right, Yadi, I really appreciate you so much for coming on to House of Music and explaining more about the movement. Tell the people where to find you at on social media so they can keep track of the next ones. Well, you all can find me at Yadi on Instagram and Twitter. That's spelled Y-A-D-D-I-Y-A. Or also at Long Live Gogo DC on Instagram. That's Long Live Gogo DC. You all can find me at either one of those handles. And once again, I appreciate you for having me. It was a pleasure. Of course. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Of course. House of Music, anytime you need the platform, whatever I can do, I'm definitely going to try. I don't think I'll be able to make it Monday, but I'll definitely try to be there for the big show in August. Um, And I'll make sure to tell my best friend that you having the one on Monday so she could be down there. Nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. Half J's worth. Came up stupid. Ay, Cause I was going through it. Yeah. $30,000. Yeah. Hallelujah. My nigga, that's $30,000. Hallelujah, my nigga that came up stupid, yeah, cause I was going through it, $30,000, yeah, hallelujah, my nigga that's $30,000, $30,000, yeah, $30,000, hallelujah, my nigga that all white G, what you need, all white G, wagon, that's what I need, cash, G-star jeans, second these Doc Martens on me, you probably never even seen Before I even touched the mic I touched my first 30 G's Like Jesus 30 G's G's Real shit My nigga been Geechee before the rap My nigga Lou Bleachy before the rap My nigga Mac Glizzy before the rap Man Roger in the go-go not the trap And I don't even say that I be trapping Ten place that's a whole lot of traffic My nigga that's a whole lot of eating And I ain't talking about face Bad bad that a whole lot of cake And I ain't talking about face My nigga I'm out my comfort zone Without some rubber bandit cash, my man, why you're me 25 cash? After that, that's 30 racks. I done came up stupid. 
Cause I was going through it $30,000 Hallelujah My nigga that's $30,000 Hallelujah My nigga that came up stupid Cause I was going through it $30,000 Hallelujah My nigga that's $30,000 $30,000 $30,000 Hallelujah